0: This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to the Door Report.
1: At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin
0: in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a coaster, and enjoy the show. The music city
1: is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor
0: down. no strings till the comes out.
1: Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. In this crazy day
0: welcome back into the door report episode 254 on a lovely wow I did not update the date on my sheet here on a lovely Thursday evening <laughs> January 4th 2024 I am will Byram joined as always by my loyal co-host Trevor Shulin Happy 2024. Happy Commodore 2024, Nation. boys and girls. Happy New Year. 2024 is off to a bang. A lot of weird shit going on. <laughs> That's the only word I can use and the only way I can describe it so far in personal life, in the general world. A lot of weird shit going on in 2024 already. But here at The Door Report, we are powered by. Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623. Or you can reach out to Corey via email at Corey Perkins at Realtracks.com. Real track spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com, Trevor. We're back, baby. <laughs> back like we never left. We're back, baby. Last week, TDR took the week off. The people were upset.
1: God forbid we have a week off. God forbid we have a week to ourselves.
0: The people said we lacked grit. In a way, it was hard to argue with them. So <laughs> I put 100% of the blame on Trevor. Because it was my fault. Because yes. I know he's strong enough to take it. However, there was zero argument from me whatsoever. As there's a ding in the recording here. I don't know if you, you'll be able to hear that. There, there's that? a call
1: and okay. coming from my mother.
0: Ah, just going to ignore it.
1: I think everything's okay. Let's should I so.
0: answer it? If she calls again, if she calls again, calls again yeah. if she to calls again,
1: then I'll be like, something's up. Something's up.
0: Something. Yeah. Let's hope there's not a second. But it
1: was to. my fault. I was visiting uh my girlfriend's family in the gray, white north of a uh, northern Pennsylvania. And, by god almighty was it cold
0: cold how was the trip fantastic it was it was,
1: it was wonderful it was, it was wonderful with the pittsburgh very uh blue collar town i actually liked it i could see myself living in pittsburgh my girlfriend's like no you can't you would hate it here it's cold and gloomy i'm like but i like the cold and gloomy
0: the family liked you i think they did that's very possible. I
1: did funny story. I, I really goofed up. I was going to meet her aunts and uncles. I, I walked in, there in Pittsburgh, big Steelers family. I walk in with my Eagles hat on. <laughs> as soon as I enter the joking. door, as soon as I enter the door, her uncle goes, You have the odd uh, he was joking, obviously. We were going back and forth. He goes, You have the audacity to wear an Eagles hat in my home. First time I meet you, I was like, eh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like hey, 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 we formed a team back in the 40s. We used to we used to be buddies. And then during brunch, States. I made the ultimate mistake of saying I preferred Hunts over Heinz ketchup. And Damn. hindsight 2020, bad look for me.
0: Bad look Other for me. Other than that, yeah, those are two Other topics. than that is
1: great. Other than that was fantastic.
0: Other than that is fantastic. We have the dichotomy of man here right now on TDR. <laughs> that that might be what we call this episode because it is going to be a little bit brief. The little
1: banner says, what is there to talk about? What
0: is there to talk about? I don't know. Me and Trevor's, Trevor's personal life. A little bit of Vanderbilt sports, but here on episode 254, I would say it's beefy. It's not. Trevor's got somewhere to be at, what, 630? Yeah. So this should be about a 30, 45-minute episode. We'll see. We say that now. Trevor might be late to wherever he needs to be. But on episode 254, we already said it. Happy New Year, everyone. Just want to reiterate that. Turn over a new leaf. This past year of Vanderbilt sports is officially over. The book is closed. Time to turn the page. And pray to God. <laughs> it doesn't get worse. I was trying to think of a positive way to phrase that, but there is no positive way our, to phrase our,
1: that. It, our, our Father in heaven, please deliver us from evil. That is
0: there, but athletic. Please, please save me, Donald Trump.
1: Please, please. Donald Trump.
0: Please Donald Trump, me. I need you. I'm please. in a
1: drive-thru of a Dunkin' Donuts. Donald Trump, please save me. Please
0: save me, Donald Trump. But. Here on episode 254, we're going to discuss a little bit about college football bowl season and how much me and Trevor have actually consumed and give a few thoughts on how to fix college football and specifically this time of year in college football. We're now past bowl season. All we have left is the national championship on Monday night. The college football playoff games were fantastic. Yeah. But the rest of bowl season in general was an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. It was meaningless. I don't know what the viewership numbers were, but I cannot imagine they were very high no. across these games because this is the least college football I've ever watched in bowl season. Same. I watched yeah. I watched a few specific matchups, but I was not turning on the random matchups. No. Like I usually do. Some of that might have to do with how over this college football season I am with what I witnessed. Yeah. The Vanderbilt Commodores do. But Vanderbilt women's basketball, we will touch briefly. Shea Ralph is rolling. Mm-hmm. We will recap Vanderbilt basketball's non conference slate that we witnessed them go five and eight during. Should be a very fun recap. And we will preview the SEC basketball season, the SEC basketball slate that is ahead of the five and eight Vanderbilt Commodores with Alabama coming up on the schedule. But before we get into all of that and much more, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for segment one. All right, Trevor, time to get into this fantastically fun episode 254 with so much to discuss going on in the world of Vanderbilt athletics and a joyous ride of basketball season we have experienced thus far. But before we get into basketball, teased it a little bit in the intro. How much have you actually consumed of bowl games this bowl season? I've watched three bowl games. I watched the
1: Tennessee-Iowa game in the Cheez-It Bowl, and I watched the two national title playoffs. That's Those are the only—I've never watched this little bowl season football in my entire life. I've only watched three games. I didn't even watch the Pop-Tart Bowl.
0: Yeah, those are the only three games that I watched more than a full half. I mm-hmm. watched the entirety of the college football playoff games, and I watched three quarters of the Tennessee-Iowa game before mm-hmm. it got out of hand right when it got out of hand. Other than that, it's hard to get into these games because every single team, pretty much, is not at full capacity. They're not at full strength. You're not actually seeing these teams play other talented teams from other conferences. You're not getting to actually judge. You didn't get to truly judge Florida State. Mm -hmm. It's all with an asterisk next to it. Yeah. And there are a lot of reasons. I mean, God, Ohio State only scored like what, three points against Mizzou? Yeah, there there is so much wrong with college football and bowl season is just a symptom Mm -hmm. right now of all the things that are wrong. There's so much wrong with the trans with the transfer portal. Excuse me. So much wrong with the NCAA. So much wrong with how the NIL incentives and things are set up. But bowl season is a disaster. Yes. It used to be, I remember, a much bigger deal to just, and I know the Rose Rose Bowl is part of the college football playoff this year, but yeah, it used to be a much bigger deal to be in a specific bowl game. Yeah. to be in the Music City Bowl and win the Music City Bowl kind of meant something, even if it is dumb. Yeah, like to win a to win the Sugar Bowl meant something. To win the Rose Bowl specifically meant something. I You've mean, lost dude, that.
1: I even used to like. I used to be so into bowl season. Like it would be like a Wednesday night at nine o'clock, and I would watch like the Bad Boy yep. Mowers Bowl against Idaho versus, uh, f- dude, I don't even know the uh, Boise State. I would <laughs> Boise State wouldn't be. It, it would be like Idaho versus Hawaii in the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. And I'd be like, dude, I'm sitting down to watch this.
0: Yeah, and I think it was the clip. Was it Boise State beating Oklahoma in 2007? I could oh, be wrong Oh, my gosh, that. the iconic yeah, the Statue iconic, of Liberty. Play. That wasn't for a natty. That Tostitos salsa. Yeah, that Tostitos wasn't bowl. for a natty. Mm-hmm. That was just for the Tostitos Bowl. That was, yep. that was for the Fiesta Bowl. That was for that bowl game, and we remember it iconically mm-hmm. because both teams were playing at full strength. It was very rare and specific. To see a guy sitting out of a bowl game. Yeah. It was this guy is a first round draft pick defensive lineman, guaranteed book it. And And a lot of those guys still did. And they and a lot of them still played, but it was like I can follow that logic as to why you wouldn't play your team seven and five, Mm -hmm. playing six and six Florida. Yeah. Like who cares about this game? I understand that. But it wasn't just guys sitting out because they're going to be a starter next season or they're going to transfer out of the program. And so I think that that's an issue, number one. Number two is how do you fix it? That's a much more complicated answer than just pointing out the problems. I see a lot of people pointing out the problems. I don't see a lot of people handing out tangible answers. Like Kirby Smart pointed out the problem. Yeah, He handed out zero answers of how to fix the problem mm-hmm. besides being like, you should take pride in these games. Like that's not going to fix no. it. I think how you fix it, and this is my number one point as to why I even brought up this topic, and then I'll ask if you have any solutions. The branding of these bowl games, the quality of them is gone. The historical meaningfulness of these bowl games is gone. You eliminated that completely. You also added in, when you created a 12-game college football schedule versus previously it was 11, you added in a lot of meaningless, mediocre teams into the bowl season. Over 50% of college football teams make a bowl. In At the FBS level, there are a lot of bowl games. There's a lot of games that aren't going to be entertaining to watch, but you have to get creative with how you market these games. Like, I heard, especially when Barstool first started sponsoring, what is it, the Arizona Bowl? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of pushback. And I was like, bowl season is supposed to be a celebration a reward for these teams and fan bases to go do something fun and compete in a fun football game that's not necessarily tied into the regular season and somehow there's pushback against Mm -hmm. fun experiences i guarantee when a college football team full of college students hears that they're going to play in the barstool bowl game versus what did you say the daddy mowers oh, like, bad, bad boy there mowers. We go. bad boy Mower, versus <laughs> or, the,
1: or the gasparilla bowl you yeah remember that
0: like i guarantee those guys are like oh hell we're gonna go play in the barstool arizona bowl portnoy frank the tank fucking yeah. barstool big, big cat, cat yeah. they're gonna be there that's awesome that's a reward we're gonna meet them it's gonna be all over their sites that's awesome the pop tart bowl yeah dumb dumb yeah. the dude had to be on so many drugs that pitched that to their yeah. head of marketing but it was awesome yeah there has to be more fun associated with these games. You've lost the seriousness of it Mm -hmm. through your incompetence. So now you have to pivot. And for some reason there's resistance pivoting, even though we all know that bowl season and college football and college athletics in general is completely controlled by the TV networks. Now there's some still hesitance to change college athletics, even though it's already changed Mm -hmm. regardless. So, yeah, well, and in two, we brought
1: this up before the pod, uh, Chris and Kyle long former NFL football players uh, have this podcast called the green light podcast. It's really good. And Chris brought up a really good point that the way in it sort of falls in line with your point with the way that college bowl games are marketed now. Um, It's become so commercialized and it always has been commercialized to an extent, but I feel like they've really like kicked it up a couple notches in the recent, like past couple of years, Chris brought up a great point. He goes, it's going to be 2042. And some kid is going to be walking down the halls of the USC football program and he's going to see the direct TV bowl trophy. And he's going to be like, What the hell is direct TV? Like, you know what I mean? So, it's, yes, it, the, that would be like yeah. the,
0: the level, the, the meaninglessness of having brands attached to these bowl games. Yeah. Like having a direct TV sponsorship. <clears throat> I understand they might have money. I understand that. But you have to view things long term. Yeah. That would be like having in ni- in 2003 a blockbuster bowl. Yeah. Or like a Hollywood video bowl. You have to have some site that is not so short sighted that you're just viewing the next two to five years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have to view things in college sports for a 25 to 30 year mm-hmm. process. How is this going to evolve? And right now the path that is on is not a path that leads to more competitive and fun football games it's a path that leads to more corporate sponsorships more dollars may be flowing in in the short term but in the long term you're ruining the competitive integrity of college football yeah the other part of it is the the biggest easy fix of all of this is stop handing out Season awards before the end of college football postseason.
1: I think this is, I agree with you. I think this is how you really fix it. I think this is a tangible step one into fixing this.
0: I understand that it has never been done this way. I understand that the Heisman is presented to the player that performed the best during the regular season, and that is how it has been done. But right now, anybody that tells you that Jaden Daniels would still have won the Heisman if they were voting on it and presenting it after the after the postseason, Michael Penix should have been the Heisman He would have winner. finished
1: third behind J.J. McCarthy. J.J. Yes. McCarthy would have come in second.
0: Michael Penix Jr. on a national stage, stepped up through for 400-plus yards, won the game for his team, and didn't win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. The most iconic performance of the season for him was on the biggest stage, and it didn't matter yeah. in the Heisman voting. There's something wrong about that. Where it, but you wouldn't have wide receivers sitting out like Marvin Harrison Jr. for a bowl game if the Blitnickoff Award wasn't presented until after, and that was actually factored in. So it would change up the history of how these awards are presented, but it would immediately give players a second thought that are truly at that upper echelon of national award winners. Like maybe I shouldn't sit out this game. Like yeah. I want to win this award. Mm-hmm. These guys are competitors. If there's a reason to go out and play they will go out and play right now. There's no incentive. There is zero incentive outside of negative incentive to go out and play in these games.
1: Yeah, I agree. And in you, you brought up earlier, um, nobody's pointed out how to fix it. I, I I wish I had an answer as to how to fix it, but I think that I don't think that fixes it in totality, but I think that's a real step forward. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a real step forward into making change happen.
0: I mean, it's not going to change overnight. It wasn't destroyed overnight mm-hmm. either. So it's not going to change overnight. And the 12 team playoff is only going to exacerbate this problem mm-hmm. because you're going to have every team from 13 to 25 that's going to think they should have been in yeah. the 12 team playoff. It's going to make a Florida State situation happen. Over, and I know they're undefeated, but a yeah. Florida State type situation with fan bases that's going to be even worse. Yeah. When this 12 team playoff comes out, I mean, we have a 68 team tournament in college basketball, and fan bases are still ready to riot mm-hmm. when they don't make the first four play, first, yeah, the last four in play in mm-hmm. games. So, I don't know. This is a Vanderbilt podcast. Vanderbilt's not in bowl games, so I, tell I don't you even what, know If we're Vanderbilt
1: discussing. was in one of those meaningless bowl games, dude. I'd be like, "Hey, all bowl games matter. All baby. bowl games I, matter." I would, dude. I would be so. I would be so deep in Shreveport right now. Put, I would drink yeah. the city dry. <laughs>
0: put put me in the bad boy. More <laughs> send me to the Gasparilla Bowl, baby. The Go Daddy Bowl. <laughs> Is that? There's no way that's still a thing. There's no way it used to be a thing, which is crazy. The Idaho, but send me to the Idaho Potato Bowl. (laughs) But that's about all the college football talk I think we have. Unless you have anything to add. Oh my God, dude! I'd even go back to the Liberty Bowl. I'll (laughs) go back to any bowl. Just get us to six and six, and (laughs) I will travel. I will. I will.
1: I will be in Memphis tomorrow.
0: Because, on top of this, and before we go to basketball, this is the last thing the transfer portal yeah. is also the biggest problem. Yeah. And there's not an easy fix to the transfer portal without eliminating the free transfer rule. That's the only way you can fix the transfer portal because how the schedule is timed out and how the semester schedule at colleges are, you can't push back the transfer portal window yeah. until after bowl games are done because then the players don't have time to actually get enrolled at the to actually look around and get enrolled at yeah, the school they already starting yeah exactly so it's not as simple as being like we'll just wait to open up the transfer portal until after the whole season and postseason are over it's not that easy because supposedly i know it's a joke these guys are students yeah. they have to attend class so i don't know how you fix that and that's actually the main problem yeah. the ncaa bungled the entire name image and likeness situation and the transfer portal, and they basically broken it beyond repair. And so now it's just kind of the new college landscape we're living in.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, to the point to where, like,
0: (laughs) college coaches are being like, yo, we need Congress.
1: As if (laughs) Congress has ever actually (laughs) stepped up and done anything for the American people. I, you know what? I don't, they haven't done anything for us. I'm not really sure they're going to do anything for college football. (laughs)
0: Let's go, let's go to, to another out-of-touch body and maybe the most
1: out of touch that is
0: that is run by walking dinosaurs and mummies yes just the most you,
1: geriatric of all you went
0: from the geriatric ncaa to the geriatricer <laughs> yes congress You somehow get worse that i bet half of them don't even know what nil stands for. no so i don't know how you fix it I bet half of them are against even playing football. We offered a couple (laughs) solutions. Brand your bowl games better. Make them fun experiences. And stop handing out season awards until after the full college football season is actually over. Yeah. That's a good step one. And it can be done instantly with very little change that has to happen to the overall scheduling of college football. But, Trevor, we have to give a shout out to the Vanderbilt women's basketball team. Two. They're and hooping she- and Shay Ralph. They are rolling. big game tonight. Thirteen and one. Other than that, honestly, ha- how much Vanderbilt women's basketball have you actually watched?
1: I haven't watched a single game.
0: Neither of I. I haven't watched <laughs> I haven't one watched- second. I
1: have not watched one second of Vanderbilt women's basketball.
0: <laughs> so that is not. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that I've watched them and they're incredible, but I do want to give a shout out to that program and to that group of girls to Shea Ralph doing a fantastic job making the university look good and making Vanderbilt athletics look decent in a time when the men's basketball program and the football program seemed to be completely incapable of doing that. Yeah. Vanderbilt women's basketball 13 and one Vanderbilt men's basketball five and eight. I think it's about time Trevor Mm -hmm. for a TDR cocktail break after that stat. And then we'll dig into what we're
1: going to talk about Jerry Stackhouse.
0: Exactly. Because we're about to recap the non-con play, go through the stats of non-conference play and point out where Vanderbilt sits amongst its sec friends. So grab yourself a cold one and we will be right back for that fun adventure welcome back from the tdr cocktail break i hope you have an ice cold beverage sitting next to you whether it's a whiskey whether it's an iced tea whether it's an ice cold beer an ice cold diet coke or as trevor has some room temperature water yeah. whatever ha- whatever your drink of choice is I-
1: i've been rocking with now for a while I've been drinking luke because these don't hold ten, I've been drinking lukewarm water for like 10 years now I actually just bought a clean canteen so I'm gonna be enjoying cold
0: crisp water soon nice Trevor drinks out of a plastic now gene <laughs> I drink out of plastic water bottles we are drinking so many microplastics it's <laughs> crazy our taints are actively shrinking. <laughs> in front of our (laughs) microplastics make me
1: big and strong turning the frogs gay (laughs) (laughs) i was talking with somebody the other day they're like aren't you afraid of like because like i we got in this like conversation i was like yeah i usually i buy my meat at the grocery store like what grocery store i'm like well i shop at kroger and they're like well aren't you afraid of all the hormones and like all the steroids they're pumping into like the cows and chickens i'm like no I want the steroids. I'm trying to get big. I hope they're <laughs> pumping my cows with so much trend that I get just a little bit of it and for every pound of ground beef I eat. Please, USDA, keep pumping the cows full of steroids.
0: Look, we do have an obesity problem in America. Ah, yeah. There are some problems with our food. It's very different than what they have in Europe. However, <laughs> we are much fucking bigger. Than Europeans and every other country across the world, almost. I feel like if I just walked, like,
1: around France, I feel like, like, I feel like I would, like, I think I'm Andre the Giant. I, like, I would, like, I would walk around and be like, dude, nobody here is going to touch me. And they're always like, oh, Europe's so dangerous. They carry knives and they try and, like, pickpocket you. If I was in France and I'd, like, look at this guy, I'm like, I dare this guy to pickpocket me. I, like, I'd look at his eyes and be like, I'd open up my pockets, and be like, reach in there, bud. Go ahead, grab it.
0: Yeah, Americans are also giant. So let's (laughs) figure out why we're tall as shit. Let's keep that part. And let's eliminate the stuff that's making us giantly fat. Let's figure that out, U.S., before we worry about name, image, and likeness, In Congress. Okay. <laughs> yeah let's 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 get the uh, let's get the food industry under control yeah. before we worry about. Let's figure football. that one out. Let's figure out the illegal immigration problem. Let's figure out a inflation. Few things. Yeah, let's inflation. yeah you know the impending uh, corporate real estate crisis. Let's figure out those. I, I
1: actually TikTok is definitely listening to me because the TikTok came about uh, on my for you page earlier. I was like me and Will just talked about this last night.
0: Dude, if you... If you just put a mic in front of us, like how Barstool does live streams, and you listen to some of me and Trevor's conversations, you would think we were giant conspiracy theorists. <laughs> and it might be entertaining. It might also get us fired from both of our jobs. I'm not sure. <laughs> and we it would say anything that. No, bad. nothing bad. Just like people would be like, "What are these guys?" For all they'd thing? be like, "There's definitely some loose
1: screws in oh, these guys' yeah. heads.
0: The bulbs need to be tightened because they're not so bright."
1: Well, I need I need one of those uh, one of those nice LED light bulbs. I got the old phosphorus ones in my head
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right Vanderbilt men's basketball is about to enter conference play non-con play is over the easy schedule that Vanderbilt made themselves is over and they went five and eight where do you think Trevor I, I think I asked you this before we started recording do you have you looked at Ken Palm or the net or anything Dude, like that recently? I stopped looking at Ken Palm and net okay.
1: after uh, the San Francisco loss.
0: So I was digging into this a little bit, and then we will run through the stats so far this season. Vanderbilt currently, well, I'll just tell you the lowest ranked SEC team in Ken Palm, outside of Vanderbilt, is currently LSU. They're the only other SEC team that falls out of the top one hundred. Of Ken Palm.
1: When were they at?
0: 106. Oh, Vanderbilt, the lowest team in the SEC. We got to be
1: in the 200s. 206.
0: Oh my God. And the Ken Palm ranking. This is the more disgusting part.
1: We're lower than 206.
0: In Ken, no Ken Palm is 206. Oh, but Ken Palm is 206. The NCAA net. Oh God. Vanderbilt ranks number 268. There are really there oh, are God. 362 Division One college basketball teams. Jeez. Vanderbilt right now is a bottom 100 college basketball team, according to the NCAA Net, and I can't really argue with them. No. They've had a little boost recently with a close game against Memphis and a dominant win over Dartmouth, and they're still sitting outside of the top 200. It is too late to turn the season around. Yeah, they're not going to go winless in SEC play. They're going to win a few games. You think so? I think I'm more confident in that than you. I, I don't
1: think we I think we're staring a a winless SEC season in the
0: face. I don't think it's that bad. I think Ezra has improved his game a lot. We'll get into that. I think Tyron is a talented enough player and I that that can possibly happen. Mm-hmm. So I was about to say Colin Smith but RIP to the Achilles. Um yeah. I think they will pick up a couple wins. I don't think LSU or Missouri are that good. I think there are opportunities for wins on the schedule. But regardless, it doesn't matter. When was the last time you were completely disinterested in a Vanderbilt basketball season before conference play began? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm also making a statement. You are disinterested right now, aren't you? The
1: last, I, I'll, I'll admit, I did watch the Memphis game. Mm-hmm. I I watched a little bit of Dartmouth.
0: I didn't watch because I was in a I car. Didn't, didn't watch a second of it.
1: I watched a, a little. I maybe watched ten minutes of the Dartmouth game. Um, the last time I was this disinterested, I don't think I've ever. Been My this, answer is I, never. I've never been this dis. I I really I've never been this dis- disinterested. I have
0: I have always watched every single game, and up and same same. And up until the Dartmouth game, I had watched every single game this year as well.
1: I wasn't, I wasn't there. I, I didn't watch the San Fran game. I didn't watch a couple of games. Yeah.
0: So, that I'm just done. Like, it's not a hatred towards Stackhouse. It's not a, like, I want him gone, mm-hmm. but I think he's not a good college basketball coach, but it's not because I hate him so much or I want to make a statement. I truly am just like, this team's just not good. Yeah. There's no point in watching.
1: Yeah. And HMD uh, on Twitter brought up a really good point. He's like, He's like, it's one thing to be angry. He's like, but once you get past the anger and you just slip into this sort of apathetic, I don't care mentality. He's like, that's when you're really gone. Whenever you got to the point where you're like, yeah, I don't care. And I really he's like, that's when you're gone. If you
0: would have asked me 10 years ago, I know this is in 2013, so I would have been a. No, it would have been 2014. Wow, we're in 2024. Gosh, I was i would have been a junior. Sophomore, sophomore, junior. I was a junior in high school. So I would have been a junior, yeah. If you would have told me in 10 years, you are going to be numb and uncaring about Vanderbilt basketball, and they haven't even played their first SEC game. Oh, I would would have have said you don't know me. I would have laughed. I would have said you, you don't know who I am. I would have laughed. But the apathy that this fan base has towards this basketball program is crazy it's Mm -hmm. palpable you can feel it you can see it when when you watch games on tv when you see images from inside memorial gym it's sad it's so sad how far they have allowed this program to fall and that is squarely on the shoulders of malcolm turner and candace story lee yeah it's not only on Candace Story Lee. Everybody, I bring it up almost every podcast. Everyone forgets Jerry Stackhouse was not a Candice Story Lee hire. Yeah. It's a Malcolm Turner hire. It was a buddy hire. Mm-hmm. And she just extended the contract. So it's yeah. on both of them. But you have to do something. You have to do something. You are losing the only program. Well, baseball, I don't, baseball is yeah. a whole different world. Yeah. You're losing, you've already, lo- like the football fans are just broken. We've been broken. Our grandparents were broken. Yeah. Our grandfathers were broken. Our
1: great-grandfathers were yeah. Well,
0: if they... That was some good times. They had some good times. They had some
1: dogs out there. <laughs> dude, I mean, dude. I, would, I don't think I would trade the life I have right now to go, like, be a fan during the Bill Wade era. Because we have seen some good moments, but, dang. Back in the 40s the 30s, they had some boys out there. Dogs, that brother. That, uh, 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 before they all got drafted in World War II.
0: But I know it, it and this isn't... <laughs> maybe I don't want to go
1: back there. <laughs> maybe uh, I I, I kind of like the 24 I'm not built for war.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Oppenheimer. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I do, do not, dude, I, sometimes I do think about, like, what would I be like if I got drafted? I'm like, dude, I, I'd pop my head out of that
0: trench and I'd be gone. <laughs> yeah. Every time I think about that, I'm like, that's not going to happen. We'll be long dead from nuclear and hydrogen bomb explosions before I would ever be drafted. Men used so. to go to war, and now they just whine on podcasts. Yeah, now we just have a <laughs> Vanderbilt sports podcast where we barely talk about Vanderbilt sports. Maybe I so, should uh, get drafted. Please, just draft me. Give me a purpose <laughs> in my life, for the love of God. But I know, I I know, I mentioned at the beginning, right after the TDR cocktail break, about the rankings, and a lot of that might just sound like numbers, like. LSU ranks number 106 in Ken bomb, and Vanderbilt ranks number 206. Like, what does that even mean? To some people, it just rolls right off their back, and I understand that. But just win-loss records. Vanderbilt is the only team in the entire SEC that has a losing record after non-con play. They're the only team with below a 60% win percentage. Vanderbilt's 5-8. and eight. There are three teams directly above Vanderbilt in the current standings. No SEC games played. Those three teams are 8-5. and five, Missouri, LSU, and Alabama. And Vanderbilt starts off conference play with games against Alabama and LSU. So it's crazy to look across the conference and truly say Vanderbilt is, without a doubt, the worst program in the SEC and has been. Outside of last year, for five out of the last six years? Is that about right? Six yeah. out of seven out of the last eight? Yeah. They've been the worst program in the conference. Never thought that would be possible. The main difference in Vanderbilt is how easy their strength of schedule has been compared to teams like Alabama, who also went eight and five. So Vanderbilt, who is five and eight, I don't have their strength of schedule pulled up. I think it was in the 270s. Yeah, it In the 270s strength of schedule. For example... Alabama's non conference strength the schedule 18th in the country their losses number three in the Ken Palm Creighton number 14 in the Ken Palm no number three in the Ken Palm Arizona number 14 in the Ken Palm Creighton number two in the Ken Palm Purdue number 24 in the Ken Palm Clemson number 31 in the Ken Palm Ohio State those are Alabama's losses yeah there's a difference between what we have seen out of Vanderbilt and what we have seen out of every other SEC program, and the fact Jerry Stackhouse is still employed, is I think they fucked themselves with the contract. I'm starting to think. I'm that starting more to and think more. that was a legitimate contract. I I think they screwed up badly. I still think Jerry Stackhouse will be fired after this year, but that buyout has to be something mm-hmm. because it can't be worse. I mean, I know they had a tight game against Memphis. I know they beat Dartmouth. But what we've seen this year has been almost unwatchable. Yeah. And it's forced a lot of Vanderbilt fans into not watching. Let's get into the stats here, Trevor. As ESPN decides to reload, the leading scorer for the Commodores through the first 13 games, Ezra a 16.5 points per game, shooting over 40% from the three-point line. That's crazy. He's shot, what, 20% and then 25%, and now he's shooting 41% yeah. from the three-point line. Ezra Mignon has been, the outside of Jason Rivera Torres, but returning player-wise, Ezra Mignon has been the complete lone bright spot yep. on this team. He has been pretty much everything I expected. Yeah. And Maybe a little bit more. Yeah, it, it is. he's shooting almost 90% from the free-throw line. Anybody out there listening that's listened before, I love free-throws. So if you shoot well from the free throw line, I'm going to respect you because the only way you get good at shooting from the free throw line in game is by putting in the reps in an empty practice gym. And Ezra Mignon has clearly done that. So every criticism that I'm giving about this team has nothing to do with Ezra Mignon. Second leading scorer on Vanderbilt's team, Tyron Lawrence. Only played in nine games so far, averaging 13.1 points per game, shooting under 40% from the field, shooting 72% from the free throw line, shooting 30% from the three-point line, averaging 2.1 turnovers per game and only 2.3 assists per game, almost a one-to-one ratio. What the hell is going on with Tyron Lawrence? Do you have any idea why he has looked the way he's looked? No,
1: I don't. I... I wish I did. I have no idea.
0: He just, he looks like he doesn't care. I, I want, I wish it was that simple. Like, you, in a way, I want it to be that simple. And like, Mm -hmm. he's just disinterested. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's like, yeah. At my core, I don't think Tyron Lawrence is a guy that's just like, who cares? I'm just going to the NBA. I came back and came back to Vanderbilt just to not care. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. Is he out of shape? Was he not able to get in shape due to injury? does he not like the scheme is he not getting along with stackhouse is he struggling without size down low that's not allowed that's that's distracting the defense and having to keep help on the center i don't know what it is but he doesn't look like the same player and unless that changes you might be right it might be an over in conference yeah don't know how you fix that vin allen lubin third leading scorer 10.9 points per game 5.4 rebounds per game shooting over 50% from the field, 85% from the free throw line, 30% from the three-point line. He's actually – Van Allen Lubin has actually looked pretty good.
1: He has looked really good.
0: In the limited time we have seen him, we've only seen him play in about half the games, playing 25 minutes a game when he's been available. He's been about what I expected. Mm -hmm. But, as I said during the preview for basketball season, Van Allen Lubin is not a five, and he's not a center. He's a four. And Jerry Stackhouse recruited him and planned on him playing the five. And that's Jerry Stackhouse's fault. He misevaluated Van Allen Lubin and is going to have to misuse him the entire season because he has put himself in a corner by Lee Dord is gone. Mm-hmm. That's not on Jerry Stackhouse. But you have Carter Lang. That's it. That's the only other guy. I yeah. mean, you have Tassos, but Tassos is a six-foot-nine shooter. Yeah. he He's, he's not playing the perimeter. Yeah. He is a perimeter guy. You already kn- knew going into the year he's a perimeter guy. So, Vin Allen Lubin has to play mm-hmm. the five. Carter Lang is a freshman, unproven, leading the team in blocks. Somehow. Yeah. Leading the team in blocks. That's probably – no. That's what it says on ESPN, but he's not. That's probably just Vin Allen Lubin hasn't played enough games. Third leading scorer on the team, Evan Taylor, 9.1 points per game, shooting 28% from the three-point line. I hate that guy. 28%. I hate him so much. Played in all 13 games, shooting 28% from the three-point line.
1: I hate Evan Taylor.
0: Maybe he turns it around. Shooters can be streaky. Maybe he turns it around. So far, Evan Taylor has been undoubtedly, well... Tyron Lawrence has been disappointing, but he's been better. He hasn't been miserably unproductive. Yeah. He just hasn't been the superstar SEC player of the year that I think both me and you expect. Evan Taylor continues to look lost on both sides of the court. That's the main problem. Ty- he he
1: looks he he
0: looks confused. Tyron Lawrence is a good rebounder, pretty solid defender. Tyron Lawrence is almost averaging two steals a game. Evan Taylor is a defensive liability, not to the extent that Trey Thomas was last season. But if you're going to be that quality of defender at the three or four, Mm -hmm. you have to bring offensive production and knockdown shooting on the other end of the court. And if you're not doing that, you cannot be playing almost 30 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. You can't. So that's been a huge problem is you just have a gigantic hole of zero offensive productivity, pretty much. In, well, not zero productivity, zero efficiency yeah. on the off. He's been very inefficient. He's the fourth, Super leading, streaky. fourth leading scorer on the team, but very inefficient. And so until that changes, Vanderbilt's going to continue to struggle because they don't have the shooters to spread the floor to allow Ezra and Tyron to slash. Mm-hmm. So until that changes and Evan Taylor steps his shit up, this team's con- going to continue to suck. Because Colin Smith is no longer there to provide any threat on the outside. And it's not like Colin Smith was having an incredible year before the injury either. He was very Mm disappointed prior to the injury. Fifth leading scorer on the team. The only thing in the Vanderbilt basketball – well, not the only. One of the only things we were right about, Jason Rivera-Torres. Yeah, He has been, as an incoming freshman, everything we expected and more. He is a dynamic offensive scorer provides decent defense, not a great defender, but he's a freshman skinny needs to put some weight on and develop that part of the game. But he can get to his spot and score. He's not shooting an incredible percentage shooting 36-37% from the three, three point line, 37% from the field overall. But the difficulty of the shots he is taking they are one on one off the dribble, difficult contested pull ups, and he can get hot. Yeah. He is going to be a hell of a
1: play. Yeah, I I really like his game, um, but then again, you're gonna lose your coach. Portal is gonna be there. Folks are gonna come calling.
0: And- I don't think Jason Rivera Torres will leave. Really? No, I because Jason Rivera Torres remember is the guy that's an actor. And I think he is drawn to the fact that Nashville is in a market, in a city, in a marketable city. That's and a good I think point. that's a big deal to him. He has a career outside of basketball that will probably be just as, if not more lucrative than a basketball career would be. That's a really good point. If you can combine, I haven't even watched the show he's in. He could suck at acting, for all I know. But it's a if, really big it's a yeah, really. Popular I know it's show, popular. Yeah. I've just never watched it. If you can combine, because there is, if there's one complaint I I have in movies, this is why sports movies suck. No one that throws a football or baseball looks like they've ever thrown a football (laughs) or baseball. And the most egregious, the most egregious sport in any movie ever almost is basketball. Yeah. It's every time it looks like these dudes are like, you could have just picked random guys from the YMCA shooting Mm -hmm. around their 30. That would look better than this. So if you can combine actual basketball skill with actual acting, that's going to be more lucrative. The the
1: The only movie to where the, Actual basketball lined up was Hoosiers. I'm gonna say Hoosiers, but yeah, it was because 50s. because it was the fifties to
0: where it's, incredible movie.
1: Yeah, oh, the best basketball movie of all time, maybe the best sports movie of all time, I think. But it was it's the fifties, so it's not like like you just go up, dribble, dribble, dribble. Not not with with your palm, you're like <laughs> smacking the hell out of the ball. Pass, 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 shoot. Is
0: it? It's Uncut Gems, is what I thought you were about to say.
1: Oh, that's also great. Well, that's also too because they actually like, use clips from NBA games.
0: And then whatever the movie was, it- was that what Anthony Edwards was in?
1: Um, th- that was Hustle. That was Hustle. That
0: was also another
1: Adam Sandler. That, that was film. A- that was a I solid never saw basketball. That. Movie. Was
0: it good? Uh, yeah, actually, it was okay. I mean, okay. I mean it for a basketball movie because you had Anthony Edwards, who was actually a really good actor. Yeah, I was kind of shocked, but you actually had real looking basketball. Line. Yeah. So th- we're getting real off track here. But sixth on the team, Colin Smith, out for the remainder of the year. Heal up, Colin. That's a brutal injury. Mm-hmm. Heal up. Prayers and thoughts from TDR over here. Tassos Comateros, tough guy to evaluate so far <laughs> on the year, to be honest. <laughs> playing about 17 minutes a game, averaging just under seven points per game, but shooting 44% from the three point line. Let me He's repeat. He's a that. sniper. Let me repeat that. Tassos Comateros is playing 17 minutes a game shooting almost 45% from the three-point line, leading the team in three-point shooting percentage. And he's playing 17 minutes a game. On a team that is shooting, let me check my stats here, 29% from the three-point line as a team. Jerry, how is Tassos not getting more minutes? Do you have an answer for why he's not playing more? It's, it's, is the defense that much worse? Is the rebounding a, it's a question that much worse? That,
1: that all of us, everybody who watches Vanderbilt basketball, has been asking for years now. Jerry, what is it with the rotations? What is it with the lineups? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here?
0: It also is not just in our heads. This is something I wanted to check before the podcast because I did not watch the Dartmouth game, but I watched all pretty much every minute of all the previous twelve games. As miserable as it was. And it feels like Vanderbilt is just getting into their offense so late in the shot clock. And I'll run through the rest of these stats maybe in a second, but Vanderbilt is getting into their offense so late, and it feels like every possession is ending in a rushed bad shot or a turnover. Yeah. Vanderbilt's average possession length, 18.4 seconds, 299th in the country. Very slow pace of play. Yeah, I, I 70 style basketball. I don't understand as a team who can't seem to get open shots, why you are not trying to utilize transition looks more and transition offense more. Get in transition with Ezra Mignon, you're experienced extremely fast, maybe the fastest point guard in the country. Get him out in transition with Tyron and Evan and Tassos and Vin Allen Lubin, Jason Rivera Torres. All of these guys scream fast pace of play guys. Yeah, every single one of them. And for some reason, Vanderbilt is playing at one of the slowest tempos in the country and has one of the worst offenses in the country. It's right in front of it you. Makes no Maybe sense. I just don't know ball. Obviously, an eighteen-year NBA career, you must know something I don't. I
1: wonder how how what percentage of their points actually
0: come in transition in transition offense. I wish I knew how to look that up.
1: I wish I did. That's that's somebody has to have that stat.
0: It feels like every other team, not and this is across the country, not just in games Vanderbilt is in, and not a slight at Vanderbilt's defense, but every other team consistently picks up easy buckets in transition. Yeah. Offense created by defense over and over and over. It feels like Vanderbilt rarely does that. Vanderbilt rarely gets an easy bucket. Mm-hmm. Every single point they score feels like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, it, it it's all it's amazing how difficult they make it look as a power five division one basketball program with division one scholarship players. Mm. It is amazing how difficult Jerry Stackhouse on this roster make the game of basketball look. Yeah. They make it look impossible. Yeah. It's boring. It's an awful brand of basketball to watch and it's not resulting in wins. No. It's kind of like watching the Derek Mason of football. Yeah. But without a good defense because Vanderbilt's defense is actually worse than their offense statistically. Yeah. Everything is bad. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. So the bitch fest continues. Let's continue down this non-con. I'll go quicker through these guys underneath Tassos. Paul Lewis averaging four points a game. Isaiah West 3.5 points per game. Carter Lang 2.8 points per game. There's a lot of guys as you go down this list that just can't shoot. I mean, Paul Lewis supposed to be a shooter. He's not. No. It, it's a quick release. That's it. It looks kind of pretty coming off his end. He's shooting 18%. No shooter shoots 18% through 13 games. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Hadn't put in the work in the offseason. Don't care what it says. Isaiah West, everybody was loving him. Didn't. Don't see anything that stands out about him. I don't understand why people love his game. I'm not trying to shit on him, but I don't know why he's in the starting lineup. I don't understand it. He does nothing special. He's he's like a default 68 overall NBA 2K player. He's not very good at anything. He's not bad at it. He's not he's either a jack of all trades or a master of none. And right now as a freshman, he has time to develop. I think as a sophomore or junior he can be a really good player, but he should not be on the court right now. He I, is not ready to be even a role rotation guy, much less yeah. a starter. And at some points during this non-con schedule, he has been a starter. I understand yeah. you've had injuries, but he is not that guy right now.
1: I thought early on you saw a little bit of flashes that made you that like sort of make made you raise your eyebrows, like okay, this guy might be able to put some things together in the future. Um, but he, and I'll add this to, I think he, and particularly Paul Lewis, has regressed. I mean, we didn't get to see a ton of him last year. But, I mean, by God, Ezra and Paul Lewis on the floor together last year was electric basketball. It really was fun basketball. He stinks. He's not good.
0: It's also hard when you have so many guys playing 8 to 10 minutes a game at the bottom here. None of these guys provide anything. They're just useless role players. I'm not meaning to sound so harsh, but guys like Jordan Williams, Malik Presley, JaQuelin Roberts – These guys provide nothing Mm -hmm. on offense. They're they're averaging under two points a game playing nine to 10 minutes a game. They're they're averaging getting less than a bucket a game playing one fourth of the game. You can't have these offensive liabilities rotating in on a team that already struggles on offense. Mm. This is not a fault of anything that can be fixed in season. This is a fault of horrendous recruiting and not caring, being on the golf course too much, and not putting in the time to build a competitive roster. Jerry Stackhouse has made a mockery of the Vanderbilt basketball program and stolen five years of money from the Vanderbilt athletics program. Yep. He's he's run this program further into the ground after Bryce Drew, I thought had already done irreparable damage. Yeah. Somehow Jerry Stackhouse has driven the Vanderbilt basketball brand into complete irrelevance. Yep. Vanderbilt basketball used to have relevance on mm-hmm. the national stage. It used to be a premier basketball. They used team. to be known. Oh, Vanderbilt, they have a good basketball program. Mm-hmm. That is not even a thought in people's minds anymore. It's Vanderbilt. Yeah, they suck at everything but baseball and women's yep. bowling. Yep. Jerry, you did that. Thank you. Partially Bryce Drew's fault. Partially Jerry Stackhouse's fault. There's plenty of blame to go around because the team sucks ass. That's my opinion of what I've seen so far. I'll second that. Very artistic and articulate way to put that. But, Trevor, you have anything else before we close out this uh, brief and ADHD episode of TDR? Nope. Well, everyone out there listening, we're back. All you complainers out there, thank you. We appreciated the comments. Continue back to back on our back on our grind set. But don't worry, we're back. The gridosterone levels have been raised. We needed a week off after what we witnessed during 2023, but we're gonna be back and better than ever. I want to tease it right now. Next week, I think we will be doing kind of a full recap of the Vanderbilt football signing class. So the transfer yeah. class the guys coming in we want to be able to actually put in time evaluate these guys and not just read off the description on 24 7 Mm -hmm. i want to be able to go actually watch some highlights whether it's huddle highlights or i'm watching actual college highlights from these transfers and i want to be able to give my actual opinion so next week should be an entertaining episode but for myself will byram and my sad no he's actually happy right now for my happy co-host trevor hewlin This has been episode 254 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.